Welcome to the Open to Hope show. I'm your host, Dr. Gloria Horsley, with a wonderful co-host today, Alan Peterson, who's executive director of the Compassionate Friends, an organization for people who have lost children, grandchildren, and siblings. And I'm happy to say that we, as the Open to Hope Foundation, are in partnership with the Compassionate Friends, as well as the Elizabeth Kubler-Ross Foundation. Well, Alan, thanks a lot for being the co-host today. Well, I enjoy it very much, Gloria. Thank you so much and the Open to Hope Foundation for uh, for partnering with us on some really good radio uh, programs. And we have, a, uh, we have a really good guest today. Just wanted to introduce what the show was. It's called Dynamics of Grieving in the African-American Community. Really a very important topic right now. A lot of people are talking about multiculture. Yeah, we and we certainly are as an organization. Culture and grief is important. So, yeah, our guest is Effa Gardner, and she's the president of the board of the Kennedy Austin Foundation, which is in Pomona, California. And uh, Ethel, in 1992, she lost her only son, Damon, in a traffic accident. And as an African-American, she discusses the cultural aspects of bereavement and, and how they impact grief support. So she's written several books. She does uh, a lot of work in the Pomona area and has a lot to say. So, um, Ethel, welcome to the show. We're glad to have you here today. Thank you so much. I'm very happy to be here. Well, thank you. It's such an important topic. And as I told you, we on our site have a television show on this very topic of multicultural and African-American. And, Ethel, one of the things that really surprised me was the idea that these young boys, and many of them who are getting killed, and I'm sure you're seeing their parents, don't think they're going to live. So they they worry about now. They don't worry about the future, and they mm-hmm. don't think they're going to live. I kind of jumped ahead with that. Why don't you tell us about your organization, why you called it the Kennedy Austin Foundation and your groups? Okay. And then I want to get back to what are we doing to help these mothers? What are they doing? It must be a terrible thing for them to have this going on in the community. Yes. Well, the Kennedy Austin Foundation is a nonprofit, 501c3 organization um, that I founded. We didn't have the name until around 10 years ago, but I started a small grief support group in the city of Pomona after I lost my son. And Kennedy Austin uh, is a name of an actual person. She is my first granddaughter whom I saw being born. And instead of naming the foundation after my son, Damon, I decided to name the foundation after life. Um, and so that's where Kennedy Austin came from. She is my first granddaughter. She's 16 years old, getting ready to graduate from high school. And she's so proud that her name is out there. Again, we wanted to name it after life. After I saw her being born, uh, it gave me an opportunity to want to live again after the loss of my son. Yeah. Well, talk about the groups that you're doing with the Kennedy Austin Foundation. And, and you said that you had some connection with Compassionate Friends at one time, right? Yes. Yeah, I started going to Compassionate Friends. It was my very first grief support group. It was in Laverne, California, and I found it on, somebody told me about it right after the loss of my son, Damon, and I started going there, and what I I loved about it was there were so many people at Compassionate Friends that were kind of linked up to a husband or an uncle or a father and a mother. And I found myself in the group alone because I was a single mother. So in, in spite of all of the good information that they were giving, I left there with a sense of emptiness because I had nobody. Uh-huh. And so that's when I decided to to start a grief support group specifically for mothers that have lost children, especially 
single parent heads of household. These women that have no support, they have no uh, nobody to, to be there with them, to engage them, to deal with the grief. So that's where I came in to start the Kennedy Austin Foundation. And our foundation is a organization that deals with grief and loss for specifically parents that have lost children. There's no other entities in our group. We specifically deal with mothers and fathers that have lost their kids and families in crisis. We have a uh, sibling support group for those children that have lost a brother or sister. So that's how Kennedy Austin um, started. And not only that, when a mother loses or African-American women lose a child, they never focus on the ones that are alive. Their focus is that one they lost. And is your thought that you want them to focus on the other children because there may be more loss? What is your thought? My thought on that is if we don't get her to open up and heal, if we don't get her to see that there is a way out, if we don't get her to see that there's life after death, there's light at the end of the tunnel, then we lose a whole generation. It's not just her and her family. There's a generation that we lose because that mother has children, those children eventually have children, and if she does not come out of grief and loss, then we lose a whole generation. A community is lost because she will stay stuck in the grief. Now, are most of the people that come to your groups African-American? Yes. Most of the people that that come to the group are African-American women. There are men in our group. Their age ranges from maybe 21 to 65. And and how many people would you serve in a year or a month? Or, I don't know how you look at it. I know people come and go. Yeah, they do. We have our group is a whole year. We have a year, 52-week group. And in the group last year, we had around, it must have been around 180 families that were in the group for wow. uh, 2014. Yeah, that is an alarming number of these kids that are being killed in the streets of uh, Pomona. Wow, absolutely. Yeah, that is that is a huge number. And as I said, uh, the woman we interviewed in Harlem, I'm sure, has the same kind of statistics. How do you help these women deal with the fact that there's this attitude of there are other kids that I won't live? I mean, I mean that's got to wrench you. This is the reality. These children are being brought up in a single-parent head of household with a mother, that have been devastated by the, you know, her husband or her significant other just kind of walking away. When you have males in the house, they literally feel that they have a responsibility to their mom. They could be 11 or 12 years old. They become the man of the house. Mm-hmm. So they, they feel this obligation to take care of their mother. So what they do is they take on this role of being an adult. So they start putting themselves in this adult role to take care of mom and their sisters or siblings or who's ever in that house. And so they become the man. They become the provider. They become the support system. So what, what happens to these children, they lose the innocence of being a child. Now I'm in a man's role, so I have to put myself in a position to do what men do because you have to realize they have no role models. There are no grandfathers. There are no fathers. There are no mentors. Who do these kids go to at the end of the day? They have a mother that's devastated. Where do they go? Mm-hmm. And so those are the kind of families that we see every day. And they, they're they in trouble. These children are in trouble. And like you were saying, Gloria, they have no support system. So guess what they do? 
They find gangbangers. These people are so willing to embrace them because they all deal with the same issue of that thing of poverty, abandonment, and rejection. So it's like a sick cycle that comes together to formulate a community. Mm -hmm. Wow. And those are the kids that we see. They have no hope. They have no hope. They've been told that they, you know, they're not going to be anything. And so they live out their lives like they're not going to live. So just live your life one day at a time. And if it ends, it ends. Now, what, given this whole situation that you're talking about, what do the groups do? If I'm there and I've had, I'm African-American, I'm listening to this show. I hear what you're saying. Mm -hmm. I feel that. I feel the desperation. I feel the sadness. But I hear you saying, I've got to find a way out because I've got to help my family. Is is that kind of, yes. and what is the way out? The first thing that we do is to let them know there is hope. Death that we know in the African-American community is final. There's nothing you can do. There's nothing you can say. You can't get up from it. So the first thing that we have to introduce these women to is hope. And if right. you don't give them hope, you have lost them and a community, and a family. So you offer her hope to say, you lost your child. Does that mean you're going to die? And they always say, yes. It means that we're going to physically leave this earth. And I said, no, there is a more excellent way. How do you get there? By empowering yourself, educating yourself, going back into your life, and sometimes you have to take them on a journey back to their lives because there's so many things that have happened to them in life. They have so much shame and so many issues within themselves. You can't get to the grief until you get her to deal with her own issues, the mistakes that they made. So what you do to these women, the very first thing is offer them hope. You can live and get through this by, first of all, acknowledging it was not your fault. Mm-hmm. That's the very first thing you have to say. I think this is so important because sometimes I'll go to a situation where somebody will say in a group, you never get over it. And those are people who are there training, oh, you never get over it, you know, that kind of thing. These people cannot hear that. This is a different group. I hear I, I hear that. Absolutely. You cannot go say that. Alan, what's your thought on that? You You've cannot. heard that. Yeah, well, you know, I think at the... What what I what I find fascinating is you know ha- working in grief for so many years like I have I've often uh, used the statement that grief work is life work and if you really dig yeah. into your grief when you're going through loss like this you'll find that some of the things that you do such as reaching out and helping others really it affects your whole life and what it sounds like yeah. the challenge um, in, in in this culture is that really uh, you're working with moms in grief. But you really have to, have to work on the whole person. There's so much more than just the grief because there's these other complications of, like you said, of, of feeling responsible, of feeling guilty, of feeling hopeless, not only because of the grief do they feel hopeless, but hopeless because of the situation they may be in and their children feeling hopeless, not only because of the grief, but because they feel like there's no hope for their future because of, of their circumstances. How do you find success? How do you take that much hopelessness and and bring hope into the situation. What are some of the things that you do to make that happen? The thing that I do is to let them know that because we made choices in our lives to do 
things that put us in, in situations. It's okay. It's really, really okay. You have to, you have to bring people to the end of themselves to feel there's, you know, the responsibility in what happened to their children. So what I do is I let them literally look at my life as a mirror, Mm -hmm. as a mirror image. If I could get through this, you can do the same exact thing. And so I use my life as a mirror. I, I, I say to them, I was one of those kind of mothers that put so much emphasis in my son because of all the domestic violence I went through with his father and all of the things I I went through with his dad. But if I could get through it, you can get through it. Take my hand and we're going to go on this journey together to get them out of that rut of feeling it's over. I might as well throw in the towel. I'm going to go and do drugs and get drunk and and just bail out. I do not give them a pass to to quit. Mm-hmm. You can't quit. <laughs> I like and that. And so when I start, That's yeah, you can't quit. You cannot. I will not allow you to quit. And I go after these women. I call them. I invite them to come to you know for coffee. Let's talk about it. Things that you don't want the group to know. Let's talk about it in a more personable setting. And you find out when you get in that setting, they feel so responsible that they couldn't give their children a father. Mm -hmm. I can give that kid everything in life, but I couldn't give him a dad. Speaking of dads, what about the men that come to the group? You said occasionally you'd have a man in your group? There, there There are men in the group, and some of these men are in the group because they were wayward fathers. They did not know their child, and they come to the group to get reconnected to, first of all, themselves. Secondly, they want to find out who this child was that I literally let fall through the cracks, and so they come to get help for themselves. To, to help their other children that may possibly be alive. And a lot of the men are here because they walk away from their post. Mm-hmm. And when that child died, they weren't there. And so they come to look in the face of grief, even though they may never speak to the mother. They can look at a woman that's grieving for her child, and they can just in their mind fathom what she's going through dealing with the loss of that child. Well, Ethel, you are quite an advocate for for that situation and a, and, and a beautiful, shining light. I went to your website, and I noticed the day May 16th right on the front page there, and that yes. date is special to me because that's my daughter Ashley's birthday. But there's oh. a march on May 16th that you obviously are a part of called the Million Mothers March. Tell us yes. a little bit about that. Well, we started the Million Mothers March. It's our seventh annual. What I wanted to do was take this grief and loss from the neighborhood to nations. And I said to myself, I need to let this community see the face of devastation. And we got to take it out of these four walls. Because after the news flash and after the casseroles is all dried up, what happens to these women that's right here in your community? They don't go to your church anymore. They're not coming to community meetings anymore. They're at, they're at their house dying. So I said, let's empower you guys. Let's let the community see. We're going to walk through the streets of Pomona and let people see what the face of devastation looks like. These are our neighbors. These are our friends. These are community leaders. These are people that live right here. And I'm going to make sure that the the mayor, the governor, everybody, I want them to see 
what it looks like. And that's how wow. we started the march. Amazing. Tell people where your website is so they can find you. My website is www.kennedyaustinfoundation.org, and they can find us right there. And we're also having our third annual Unity Breakfast. That's going to be May 25th, 2015, from 10 to 2. And it is a fundraiser that we use all these women that have been devastated to do a big breakfast and invite the community just to see these women that have come out of the group. They have empowered themselves. They're now working at the foundation, volunteering, and I want the, the, the community to see that after uh, grief and loss and devastation, you can be healing well again. So we put on this annual breakfast. The women come, they cook, they smile, they put their lipstick back on, they do their hair, and, and people can see them in a different light. We, wow. want, to, we want them to focus on healing and hope uh, more than grief and devastation. All right, Ethel. Well, thank you so wow. much for everything you're doing. Uh, uh, you're amazing you and welcome. an inspiration. Oh, goodbye, <laughs> Ethel. Thank you so much. What an honor you to have are you welcome. on the show. Wow. Thank you so much. Well, Alan, amazing show. I mean, people, we just don't know about the dynamics of grieving in the African-American community. I mean, you know, it's a whole different world. Yeah, it, it certainly is. And, you know, people like Ethel, though, they're just they're an inspiration. And having traveled all across this country uh, working in the grief world, I tell people there are heroes in so many cities. And what a hero she is to the community there in Pomona and uh, uh, just a a wonderful person and and the compassionate friends and her. We will be continue to talk and find ways to work together. She can help us in our, uh, you know, striving for diversity and we can also help her. So a a great guest, Gloria. Thanks for bringing her. And uh, wow, I'm inspired. You know, one of the things I really liked she said is that she has people look at her as a mirror. And I honestly have always said that that's what I feel like being around grieving people who give service or people who've had a loss and give service. You know, you have that song a little further down the road. That's what I love when I go to Compassionate Friends is people will come who just had a loss. And then there's somebody there who it's been months and uh, maybe years. And it's a little further down the road. They can actually see people who've made that progress because I think the important thing that Ethel says that everybody needs to know is there is always hope and life does get better. In fact, it can become absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, and she reflects that beautifully in the fact that, hey, I've been in your shoes and and I've walked this and I will, you know, I'll walk with you. I'll take your hand. And she literally does take their hand. So, uh, yeah, what a beautiful thing and and what a difference she's making uh, in Pomona, California. Well, thanks for listening to our show today. And we hope that you yourself will find people in your life like Ethel that can help you out on your journey. And then also then you'll be able to turn around and and do that too, because service does help you to get through that grieving process and helping others. And Heidi and Alan and I want to remind you that if you've lost hope, please lean on ours until you find your own. And God bless.